You are now tuned into not WXNA LP Nashville 101.5 FM, but this is still Walk It Off, your home for sports talk radio every Sunday night with your hosts, Drew and... And Dave. Hey, buddy. Hey. Good to actually see you. Dude, Look at this. This is a whole new level. I, I love High this. technology. This is the way it should be. You're going to have to stop me from like leaning in on the camera and being like, Drew. Let me just tell you a secret, man. So this this is so much better like uh, than only hearing your voice. I love this. So unfortunately, we are having quite the weather right now in Nashville. So be safe out there, everybody. We were not able to make it to the studio because of the roads condition right now is insane with that feet of looks like a foot of sleet that's just coming down. We got that's ice insane. skating rinks. Yeah, is, are there, are there just going to be an outdoor like winter classic because of this now? That would be pretty sweet. Not that that works out well for us usually, but... Time to get out there and play some chill. Yeah. But yeah, we couldn't make it to the studio, but we wanted to record something for you anyways. Because we love doing this. We love, that's exactly the answer. We love doing this, so we're going to do it. And we love you guys on Valentine's Day. Everybody out there listening, get, get in the hard hands. Yeah, yeah I like it. One of the perks of video. <laughs> But yeah, we're trying this. This is new. New for us. Little video chat. We're going to do basically the same thing we do on the show. Talk to each other about sports. Have some fun. Yeah, a lot more Except eye contact. Right now, yeah, we get to see each other while we do it. We get to do it from the comfort of our own home studios. And get to drink a beer while we do it. Cheers. Uh, mine's rosé, but uh, that's just because I'm fancy. I also had a it's cheese Valentine's plate. Valentine's Day. So. You're doing it right. Mm-hmm. It is the it is the the drink of love. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, to each their own. I will uh, high five any ladies out there with jackalope bear walkers. Uh, let me actually just say that I have been. I know this isn't a beer talk show, but I have been avoiding IPAs like the plague because they're everywhere. I've been going with those Browns. I know you and I share a love for those jackalopes bear walkers. One of the best. So. Glad to see you drinking that. And especially out here in cold weather. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm out in Arizona where we we have cold weather, too. So for our listeners, you feel like, I know, isn't this crazy? You feel like this video is now a sneak peek into what you normally see. But it's not in both universes. So, Drew, you're normally in the studio. I'm normally in in my home in Phoenix, and I'm not even there right now. I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona. I know mind blown so uh where it is wintry uh it snowed yesterday so i've got some oak creek brewing nut brown in the fridge that is my uh, cool weather uh beer of choice and uh, i'm just very happy to be feeling the winter vibes with you as this has happened hence hence the beanies cheers cheers good times but yeah let's get into it a little bit here with some not so good times I just wanted to say, man, are the Predators a bad team? Because I don't think I can remember the last time the, our Nashville Predators were a bad team. No. I God, that's such a tough question because there's two levels to this, right? Like one is exactly what you're saying. Historically, they've been really good. So this team, we were just talking about this before going on the air. Sterling, it's besides some of the road bumps we've had with management uh, over the years and ownership, a pretty sterling record of being a competitive, fun team to watch for pretty much its entire existence. But it's been it, a long time since the Preds were not a good team. The other side to it is this team should be a good team. So it's not like we looked at them and said, this is the year. All right. There, maybe there's some big variables uh, we should have a good coach. We should have good depth. We should have really good all-star players. We've got one of the best captains that we've had, and we've had a, a long list of really good captains. Th- this team should be performing, uh, not to mention the depth at, at goalkeeper, where we have the premier in Pecorine, uh, followed by Saros, who is, should be up and coming and setting a new precedent for goaltending and keeping the Pekka fresh to where he can do all the things that he does when he's at peak performance, when he's on the ice. So they should be also. And 
all of that leads me to think that neither of those things are happening, and one of those two things should be paying off a little bit. Right now, it's not. So, yeah, man, I feel like I, I don't like saying it. it I, I can't even utter the words, but I feel like this team just isn't that good, and that scares me for what the rest of this season and what the, the offseason looks like. That's a great point. I love that you brought up the players because it isn't like this is a rebuilding year. This was supposed to be a little bit of reloading, addressing the weaknesses of an already strong team that had disappointing playoff exits the past two seasons. Yep. We knew the power play. We knew the penalty kill were problematic areas. We knew adding a little bit of grit, a little bit of sandpaper, a little bit of toughness to this team was something that needed to happen. And I don't think you can blame David Poyle for any of this. I mean, the greatest GM in NHL history. This is a team that, when you look at on paper, most NHL teams would switch rosters right now. You've got great depth along the blue line. Two or three defensemen who you think could be in a Norris conversation. Their top six looks great. That depth, again, maybe a little shaky, but that's what you're talking about, bringing in guys like Cunnan, bringing in guys like Borowicki, that I can't pronounce right ever, <laughs> bringing in guys like Brad Richardson specifically for that, and then you don't fix those problems. The Preds are the worst team on the penalty kill in the league right now. And granted, some of that has to do with that five goals against in one game against Dallas. True. But it hasn't been good the rest of the time. And when you're the worst penalty kill in the league and you're bottom five in power play, that's a terrible recipe. And that's the known slump. The unknown slump is you're talking about those good players in their primes, by the way. Those Matt Duchesne's, Ryan Johansson, Arvidsson. You've got goal scorers out there. Ely Tolvanen brought up to maybe bring up some offense. But right now, Phil Forsberg is the only one doing any damage on offense for this team. And he's, what, not even top 25 in the league in scoring. But if you look down for the next Pred in scoring, they're not even in the top 100 league-wide. It's so sad. That's a problem. It is. And and that's been our MO to some degree. Like, we don't have a top scorer on our team. We never do. We, we have we have team effort, essentially. So we've got, you know, Forsberg maybe leading the pack, but we've got all these other players with with depth carrying that weight. And I think that's one of the that. So let's let's look at that as number one known, maybe not even an issue, because I think that can be the attribute of a really good team. And it has been, but a known difference from some of the stark, really good teams in the league. The other is the penalty kill that you mentioned and and power play also. But those are both special things special teams that we were supposed to address coming into the season, going back to your original point. Both of those things. We were supposed to bring in more high-octane high scoring to offset this kind of team effort thing and then and really just lift, you know, the high tides, raise all boats. Let's lift everybody that way. We were supposed to change the penalty uh, kill to special teams um, culture because, frankly, it's really ingrained in our culture now, and it has done nothing but get worse. So it's... I, I don't know what to what conclusion to draw from that. The only other thing I can start looking at is the coaching change, which aligns directly with a major pitfall in this franchise, but also amidst a weird season. Uh, and we, it's not like we were on an upward trajectory with LaViolette either. Like it was already moving down. But you got to think that, man, we hit some really peaks with Peter Laviolette and that change has done nothing but continuously move us further down the chain. And maybe, maybe it's that's hard part not, of it. It's hard not to look at what Barry Trotz is doing with the Islanders right now and thinking True. how good that system would fit this Preds team as well. True. That kind of discipline and low shots against when you've got the goaltending hasn't been a problem. Saros has been fine. Pecorine is kind of, retaken the starting job a little bit and barring that flub against Glenn Denning in the game last night the goaltending's been real solid the defense has been pretty solid you've allowed more chances I think the biggest problem with the defense has been giveaways there's been a little bit of uncharacteristic sloppy play and you know you give your goaltender no chance on those giveaways in your own zone 
But obviously the problem lies with the offense. And I'm with you, man. I still think that the only way you can really point your finger is that the coaching right now, we weren't huge fans of John Hines when that hire was made. His system hasn't really seemed to click with these players yet. And once you start cycling through players who, again, it should be a solidly built roster, you start to point your fingers at the system. And again, you look at the success that the Preds had under Laviolette, the success that the Preds had under Barry Trotz. Neither could quite get to the point where you were raising that cup. And it was it did seem like it was getting a little bit stale when the move was made to fire Peter Laviolette True. move True. on to Hines. But I don't know if the right candidate was out there right then. Hines was just released from the Devils earlier that same season. He was kind of the guy who was out there. And it, ha- it whatever reason it has been, it hasn't clicked yet. And with a roster that's not going to change much next season, the Preds aren't rebuilding next year either. That's just not in the cards with the contracts they have right now, barring some major shift in organizational planning. But we're going to have a very similar team next season. So Something's co- got to change with the system. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it. Well, I'm glad we're talking about the coaching because, and I'm glad you brought up the, the timing and the availability of coaching when we made that change mid season. And it, I wish I, I, I know I felt at the time, I don't wish I'd have said it more because I, di- I didn't feel like it was right to, to say as much, but it felt really desperate to land on John Hines at that time. Now, my mind was in a different place at the time. First off, I try really hard, and we do on this show, not to just jump to hyperbolic conclusions. I mean, we're not doing hot takes like we talk about. So <laughs> I didn't want to come out and just say, it's not the show. It just reeks with desperation. You know what I mean? And just put my Stephen A hat on. But but it, it, it has emphasized that more and more now. I mean, the candidates were slim. He just came out of not a great run. I mean, he, he and maybe... I know at the time, the two things I looked at were David Poyle's decision-making, so uh, trust in Poyle, and I have and I do, to match culture and, and grow the team in the right direction. But I also, uh, I also looked at exactly what you mentioned, which is it did feel stale at the time, which is kind of hard to – it's harder to put our, our minds in that mindset now. You can put a bullhead over yourself yeah, on road yeah, trips as much as you want. Yeah, ex- but exactly. The but the messaging it, wasn't quite there. It felt that way. But now looking back at it, I know like some of my initial inclinations, they seem to be coming true. And I don't mean to say that I am right now. You know what I mean? Everything has changed. It's a totally different world. But it, it really did feel that way. And I feel like that's up for consideration is let's look at, you know, maybe we got to make it through this rough season blame a season and a half quotes i gotta get it on camera on uh on covid and say let's really refresh the structure of this team like you said the 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 flexibility really isn't there from a, a player contract standpoint and it shouldn't need to be because on paper the talent's there it's just a matter of how do you bring it all together and we haven't seen that happen in three full seasons and again you've got really one more year Especially, there's a Poyle, one thing he did a great job with is most of these players are under contract. Yeah. Most of the, the big key cogs, but you've got to get them playing better if you're going to have your key cogs be key cogs in your team. It's really that simple. Good players have to play well, and they have to be put in a system that's going to really take advantage of those strengths yeah. and neutralize some of the weaknesses, but... It just hasn't clicked yet, and maybe it'll take a little bit of time, but time's something you don't have in this season, this weird shortened season when you're playing all divisional games. Every game you play is a four-point game. That's why this last stretch right here, I liked it when after those losses to Tampa Bay, yet again, those were games that if you were following along on at Walk It Off Radio on our social media, we were talking about how the Preds really needed to not let the season slip away, to make a statement playing Tampa Bay. After losing your first two games against them, you've got the defending champs in your division. Show you're a top-of-the-order team again that can play with the big boys. And they went out and didn't look like much in those games against Tampa Bay. Flat. So then you've got one more chance. You've got Detroit coming to town. 
perfect. The worst team in the NHL happens to be in your division this year. Our former rivals, our former friends with the Pred Wings, that whole long history. But it's fun. And I liked Pred's Twitter going out there and being like, look, guys, this is our first of eight against the Red Wings. Points. Yes. There's still a chance to move up from last place, besides the Red Wings, in the division. So if you sweep those games, if you get all four points against the Red Wings, maybe you can start talking a little bit of momentum from there with a fairly winnable schedule coming up. A lot of games against Florida, who's been great so far, but I don't think Florida's as good a team as their record is right now. Columbus looks beatable. You've got more Detroit games coming up after that. There's a chance to make a move to salvage the season. You've only got to finish in the top four. The top four of the eight teams in your division, and Detroit's going to be eighth. So <laughs> there's only two teams the Preds need to pass, really. Well, three. Math, I know. <laughs> yep. That's... But then you go out, you win that first game against Detroit, look solid, and then just completely come out of the gates and get slapped around by the Detroit Red Rings on your home ice right here in Smashville. That bad goal from Rene, but the whole team just looked out of it. No energy. You take that loss. You can't afford to give away points like that. You need those points against the Red Wings if there's going to be anything to this season. And not being able to take those four points after not making a statement in those Tampa Bay games, that's kind of what's turned me into, well, this is a good team that's going to tur- that's going to turn it around this season to it's not happening this season. Yeah, it was, it'd be one thing if we were a team that was struggling to be just demolished by Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay is a damn good team. So those are excusable to some degree, but you got to get points where you can. And one of the attributes, you know, we talk about it every time they come into the playoffs, their resilience coming, you know, playing uh, all three periods, coming back. You know, we've seen that a lot from them. And those are signs of really good teams. Um, a sign of a not good team is losing the games you shouldn't lose. And that's what's happening with Detroit. You've got to beat those teams. You've got to get those points, especially when you're in that situation you're talking about where points are at a premium. You need them more than you ever would. And if you can't rise to that occasion, and forgive me because I hate this term, but you just don't want it bad enough. I don't like putting things in that category, but like you're not you're not Sometimes. set up to win. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm curious because you mentioned losing on our home ice. How do you how much do you think just not having a crowd is playing into Nashville being roughed up over the last season-ish. I'd love to say it, it. that's what's causing it, and it's a ton, and once we all get back out there and hit the catfish hit the ice again, and we all get to thank Paul as is proper, that things will turn around. And But to be honest, it's been a couple of years now since Nashville has been the number one home ice advantage in the NHL, which it was, which we made it here in Nashville. And it was such an exciting place to be day in and day out. It's been a couple years since that atmosphere, that aura of invincibility at home has really been there for this Preds team. And you can't blame all of that on COVID, but some of it definitely is. And I want to blame some of it on that damn ad overload this season. I know (laughs) that you lose revenue. You got to make it up wherever you can. The NHL was refreshingly honest about this they said look we need to make as much money as we can without fans in the stands we're selling ads on everything but man that ice looks so cluttered those ads at the top of the boards along the glass really burn my biscuits (laughs) the helmet ads they're tough but expected it's those ones on the glass that I i hate the most me too the ones in the trapezoid the projected ones it it takes it takes away from it it but 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 it doesn't and should I mean in theory shouldn't affect the product on the ice right but but it makes you wonder like all these things are connected and uh, you know I, I I don't know like the 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 whole universe has shifted I mean that's what's so hard about this conversation about the question you asked at the at the at the top of the show whether they're a bad team now or not because look at all the variables new coach it hasn't gotten settled 
new culture essentially because of that that hasn't had any home ice essentially you know it, we've got uh covid which has just screwed up who we're playing and how we're playing um and the amount of time we're playing and the amount of preparation we have and and where we're playing it you know the bubble is was good and bad in a lot of different ways i mean that that is I, as much as i won't say that it was unfair because it was even playing it was a great product they put together i'm really proud of how they responded to that it's a different level of competition it's just it's just a different experience which changes the it it, it's a variable that changes that and the advertising the the divisional structure all of that is different so but what you have to look at in sports is at at the same time well that's the same thing for every last team so if they can't compete with all those variables then yep they're they're a bad team, but I also Speaking think. Speaking of the bubble, that took a man, lot of shine from them. Yeah, they did a great job in the bubble of making it feel like fans were in the stands true, with true. all the projections and the boards and the LEDs, true, and just having fun with it. It seems like teams aren't really putting the effort into it during the regular season now. Everybody's just got the tarps around the lower seats, the lower bowl seats there. And some of them are incredibly distracting. I almost couldn't watch those games in Dallas with the bright green tarps all the yeah, way around. That really takes that away rough. from it. Those they need to be neutral. That's a that's a small thing. You're right, but that is that really affects the 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 viewing experience. And you got to think that hits it for the players too. At least the bubble was some attempt at keeping them into it and making it exciting. Maybe take something from the big three games. <laughs> Pump some music in there. Make it uh, you know a little bit more fun for the players. But there are some fans in the stands now, but you can't expect them to make the same noise as, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just five, six, ten times that many. It's it's just not the same. And it and it definitely isn't gonna give you any level of home home ice advantage. Like e- even if you have the best fans in the world, when you only have that many dispersed, it's it's just you can't distinguish one place from another. I imagine. I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to hear what the players have to say about how the the fan experiences are place to place with such few fans. Like maybe there's some that really stand out as having a great home ice advantage, even with that. But I can't imagine it translates with a great with less fans out there. But you know, one of the scary things is figure out how long we're going to have to deal with that. I mean, of course, that's scary on so many levels for all of us. Uh, but speaking from a specifically a sports standpoint, you know, we talk about David Poyle being such a fantastic GM and his track record's huge. But you also got to look at how everybody, with the exception of Tom Brady now, I guess, who's the best, falls off at some point. They're just not ready for whatever the new normal is, and somebody else is better at it. And I'm not saying that somebody else is right now than David Poyle because there's so many variables. But what what a new GM has to do now is figure out how to deal with COVID. They have to figure out how to create a, a new team culture and a new fan culture that can survive something like this and not just survive, but thrive through it. And I can't compare it because I haven't, don't go to the games. I don't know what a Tampa Bay team looks like. And they certainly had momentum even before COVID hit, but they certainly seem to have something special there. Uh, and maybe we just don't. Maybe David Boyle's not prepared for that. And I'm not trying to put a hot take out there. It's just a consideration. Like, it's a major cultural and almost generational shift to have something like this happen to sports. And it could make a, a, a GM kind of irrelevant relative to somebody else. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I still like the way this Preds team is built. I think hockey is a little bit different in that you basically, well, let's put it this way. Is the NHL moving in a direction like we've seen with the NBA as an extreme to a superstar based team where if you don't have one of these superstar players, That's a great question. you're not going to be a team in the Stanley cup consideration. We've often thought that a team with a great system or a team with a hot goalie in the playoffs can steal wins. And we've seen that. Again, Barry Trotz is the ultimate example of that. Yeah. His system can turn teams without that much star power and get them playing above their heads in maybe not the prettiest version of hockey, but winning hockey nonetheless. Yeah. 
But is this a team? Because that's the way the Preds have been built. You've got a lot of stars on this team. Players I would consider stars, above average NHL players. But the Preds have never had that superstar. Your Connor McDavid's, your Sidney Crosby, your Alex Ovechkin's, even Steven Samkos or Nikita Kucherov, the way they've been playing lately. You know, Yossi won the Norris last year. Pekarine won the Vezina two years ago. You're talking about the best player at their position. And uh, while obviously, I mean, it's hard to argue against the way this team's been built. But is that a way this league as a whole is going? And that might be something towards your point of guys who have been in the game forever. Maybe there's a sort of new taste, new flavor of the month for the NHL. You don't really see it, though. You don't no. see it in the ranks. There's no wunderkind uh, super NHL analytics guys coming up from MIT no. and being 25-year-old GMs. Gosh, that's so interesting. It so well for the Coyotes man. when they tried it. No, it, it's true. <laughs> it just doesn't translate, and something will happen. There will be some tip that changes it a little bit, but hockey's certainly been much more incremental than any other sport. Like we, We've talked in our three-plus years doing this show, we've talked – all about the shift in the NBA. We've talked all about the shift in, in MLB to the, uh, uh, to um, the, uh, why am I blanking on it, Drew? The, um, the, 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 the true results. Big threes, three true outcomes. Three, in three true outcomes. Thank you. My gosh. Yeah. Uh, which is, is driven home runs way up, you know, and really kind of simplified what people are aiming for and what drives value based on those analytics. It just doesn't translate in hockey. You're right, but but it, you we really might wonder, see that shift soon. When will it? Yeah. What is the next one? So this was supposed to be the year with the tracking in the players' pads, the tracking in the puck, that they were going to have so many more just stats out there. Yeah. For the analytics. Uh, sorry, I should probably stop doing that. Huge. <laughs> no, I think it makes a difference. Now. It draws me in. See, so now <laughs> I do that. This, I can do all of this in the studio, and you guys don't know at all. <laughs> but yeah, this was the year NHL was supposed to just completely consume us with every stat possible so we could get in there and have those MIT grads analyzing everything that happens and coming up with new ways to win undervalued players. And we'll see a whole money ball approach, which in NHL has been coaching up to this point. You get X amount of wins with Barry Trotz. You get X amount of wins when you hire John Tortorella. It just works that way. But this was supposed to be that year. And we've already seen them get rid of the tracking in the puck because Players were complaining about how it was bouncing. The puck was weighted a little bit different. Maybe it will be slower, more incremental, or maybe we will see that. We're, you know, we're seeing players already joke about it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just decided to take a whole bunch more shots on goal so you guys would see my Corsi go up. <laughs> Think I'm a better it. player. I love it. Wait, hockey's got a little bit more of like a tongue-in-cheek perspective on all that anyway, too, which is which kind of comes with that chip on the shoulder being, you know, number four of the four major American sports almost perpetually, although there's a lot of, a lot of growth happening there. Um, Not here in Smashville, baby. I know that's true. And that's what, one of the beautiful things about, about Nashville. And that's what would be so besides all of our fanaticism would be just so unfortunate about a team like that falling off is it's such a perfect hockey market because even if it doesn't have the history of the Canadian teams and the original franchises and all of that, what it does have is it has, it, it only has one other major franchise in, in the, in the city. And that means hockey dominates and that makes it just a wholly original place. You know, it's not like New York. It's not like Phoenix. It's not like Chicago. It's not like anywhere in California, except for maybe, well, I guess San Jose doesn't even count because that's all connected <laughs> over there. It's not like even the mid-market, small-market things in uh, in Texas, you know? All these places are big enough that they carry this weight that's usually dominated by one of those other big franchises. And Nashville, as much as we love our Titans, I still think is a, is a, is a, is a predator's town overall. And I think a lot of it has to do with the migration in of people. Uh, the Especially football and older franchises tend to be connected with the original people, uh, the original natives, as you might call them in, in, in Nashville. And the people that come in just get excited about Nashville hockey, especially if they're coming around all of the feeder cities in, in the Southeast that come in that don't have professional sports really at all outside of 
uh, outside of uh, college. So it, 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 my point is it's just really important to keep this franchise healthy because it epitomizes what's great about the NHL. That's a great point. And the other part of it, of course, is the winning. Yeah. When you got a winning team. That's true. <laughs> that, that really, that's the biggest it. part of it. Let's be honest. It is. And again, we asked that question at the top. Are the Preds a bad team? It, it's so shocking because the Preds have not had a full season, a full NHL season, in which they were under 88 points, which is your borderline playoff team, since the 2002-2003 season. We're looking at an almost 20-year run of being a contender. That's insane. It's beautiful. And that's fascinating. It's incredible, but we're also so spoiled. Yeah. No rebuilds. That's true. Since the team was built for the first time. And that doesn't happen to any major franchise. (laughs) There's been tough things like trading, you know, your captain and Shea Weber, difficult decisions made for sure. Losing Ryan Suter hurt so much when that happened. But there's been no rebuilds, and that's why it's so unfathomable right now here in Nashville. People who <laughs> people who can you know vote, buy a beer, haven't seen the Preds lose really, <laughs> be a bad team. So this is just like a shock to all of our systems. But again, this isn't a full season, and the Preds have suffered a little bit in not in full seasons before, so... Hopefully we can take it as an aberration, figure out what wasn't working, isn't working, and take that into next season, which will be a pivotal season in the direction of the franchise for certain, and will hopefully be a full season. Because we all know the real reason the NHL worked so hard to get this weird divisions-only half-season going is so that the next season will not be interrupted when all that sweet expansion cash from the Seattle Kraken comes in and a new TV deal gets struck. That'll be that a big difference. That to be a full season. True. And that's going to be a big one for the Preds. So let's just hang on until then. I think that, that kind of brings us back to probably the biggest point of this of this whole thing, which, it, which when you asked, are they a bad team, the answer is right now they look like a bad team. But we still have a lot of hope, right? Like there's still opportunity. It's not you can always run off a nine one and no streak or something like that. Absolutely. And it, it, with all games being division games, <laughs> yeah, and, and even look competitive. They could even even if they don't, don't like make right now. even if they don't make a playoff run, looking competitive going into the next season to keep that hope alive. Like you said, keep on that threshold uh, points wise of being a, a borderline playoff team might just be enough to hold us over to a little bit more normalcy, a little bit more visibility. And uh, and hopefully a lot more winning. Absolutely, man. We we keep the faith. We're all fans. That's what we do. But hey, we're here to talk about it because in case need a refresher, this is Walk It Off with Drew and Dave. Right here on WXNA, usually on your radio dials here in Nashville at 101.5 FM. Streaming anywhere worldwide at WXNAFM.org. And this episode, with you being able to see us and us being able to see us in person. It's cool. Will be posted somewhere as soon as we can figure out how to do that. Because this is our first time trying this, all right? But we wanted to get an episode out there for you for sure. We wanted to be back here talking sports with each other. And it's just so much fun. So make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're hitting up our social media at Walk It Off Radio. And we'll make sure to let you know where you can find this, which you obviously are if you're listening to it already. But hey, never hurts to have a reminder, right? That's right. Hey, let's get into some of those reads. I'm not in the studio right now, so we don't <laughs> have all of our ads and our promotional reads. But uh, elephants are awesome. Make sure you go check out the elephants, but you know, in a controlled environment. It's a sanctuary, so you can't really go visit. But the elephant sanctuary in Hohenwald does great things for cool animals. So check out elephants.com. Yeah is a pretty kick-ass organization. True. Make sure you can support them whenever you can. And you can check out everything they're doing at yeah, that's Y-E-A-H, rocks in the borough, B-O-R-O. You're a pro. It's it's, it's (laughs) almost like you've done those before. 
Oh, we got more. Do we have a halftime song? How, do, how are we going to do that now? Do we have to sing it? <laughs> it right, are we are we are we aiming to drive away listeners? Is that the plan? <laughs> because because I think that might happen. You're the only one who knows how to do anything that in musically. Post, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cut it in we'll post. We'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Hey, this is Walk It Off with Drew and Dave. We did good. WXNA and YouTube or whatever is going on right now. The internet in WalkItOffRadio.com, baby. You can find it all right there. Hey, let's talk about a slightly happier local team, our Memphis Grizzlies. There's a game going on right now, which we are unfortunately not watching because we're taking the time to talk sports to record this episode here for you. And right now it's halftime and the Grizz are looking damn good against the Kings. All right. It's been an interesting season for Memphis, for sure. Season of streaks. Is that fair to say? Four-game losing streak, seven-game winning streak interrupted by a huge COVID layoff, the three-game losing streak. But then this week, they broke that streak before it could become more than three games with that uh, that really excellent win. <laughs> that, w- that was a uh, fun one. What was that, against the Pelicans earlier this week? Yeah. Or... Oh, no, no. The, the, we had Hornets. The, the Hornets. Hornets. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, put put up 130 against them. That was crazy. And that was a fun game. 70 points at halftime. Ended up winning 130 to 114. New franchise records all over the place in that game. 23 three-pointers. New record for the Grizz. Kyle Slow-Mo Anderson breaking, destroying his career high, coming out with six three-pointers. And again... We've seen for sure this season when this Grizz team is playing good, you talk about that balanced attack that you want. We saw that game earlier this season with nine players, nine players in double digits. Incredible. They had seven in double digits in this win. I love seeing that. That That's the most encouraging thing. That and, and we've seen a lot of players step up when Ja was out too um, and, and when Valanchunas is out uh, and with, with, ja, with, uh, with Jaron Jackson out. Uh, uh, the Justice the, Winslow still hasn't played, and Justice, yeah, is he is he still on the team? But I want to see him on this team so bad. Oh, uh, me too. But I, I mean, I feel like it's been five years that we've been saying that, honestly. But that's what's so been so encouraging about this team is even though I know it's been streaky, is that they they always come to play and they always find a way. I mean, it's I think it's the definition of scrappy. It's a team that doesn't have low expectations, so it's not like they're coming out there bottom of the barrel. And then, and with a bunch of no names and putting up a fight, that when somebody says scrappy, that's what I think of. But, but I think this is still a definition of it. Like no matter what adversity is put in front of them, they're finding a way out of that ditch. And it's it's been really really cool to see. And I think even if this season, I think it should and will. I'm still odds on betting that this is a playoff season for the Memphis Grizzlies. But even if it isn't, real this, playoffs or play in playoffs. Well, definitely play in playoffs. I would, I have high odds there. I, the Western Conference is tough, man. It's just getting, it's getting top, it's top five, right? Top six yeah. are in, uh, are in that, are in the actual playoffs. That is, that's a hard place to reach. Uh, but I think they have the potential to be there, especially if they go on a streak. Like, if they come after post All Star game or whatever season part two looks like and really put up a streak, that team could very well be in there. The 2010 Suns did that. They came in and were the hottest team after the All-Star break and finished second seed and went all the way to the Western Conference Finals. It, it It's totally within the realm of possibility, but this team is going to be even better next year. That's what I like about it. Young talent finds a way to work together. I get the inkling there's a good culture there, that, they're, that they, they like each other, they get along, they support each other. And those are some of the makings of a, a really, really uh, good, successful few years. This is a big game. Memphis is tied for Sacramento right now for those 9 and 10 extra play-in playoff spots. But you can move up pretty easily. It's a pretty tight pack right there. It is. But, yeah, I, I like the resilience of this team. Like you said, playing without John Morant for a chunk of the season, playing without Valanchunas, who's been spectacular this year. 
absolute force on the inside. Even right now, guys like DeAndre Melton and Brandon Clark are injured, who've played big roles for this team. Desmond Bain's not quite healthy. He's been great as a rookie. Everything they wanted from him with that fantastic outside shooting. John Morant for All-Star game? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all, y'all are voting, right? I hope so, because... He should definitely be in there, and he's he's in the he's in the 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 current voting uh, numbers right now. I think he's got a spot on there. It's so much fun to watch the evolution of John Morant. It really is, and all I keep thinking to myself is, I hope that three point shot hurries up and comes, because you know it is for him, and that seems like it's the only thing that's keeping him back from superstardom at this point. Not too many players in the game affect the entire game the way John Morant does. And it's so much fun to watch his moves evolve, the speed he plays at, the way he sees the court, the way he gets his teammates involved. Everybody's on the court is better when John Morant's there. And, yeah, it, it's just been real fun for us to see. Uh, one of uh, my personal favorite reads every week on outside media, besides what we listen to here on WXNA, of course, is Zach Lowe's 10 Likes and Dislikes. Yeah, me too. And seeing John, seeing him shout out John Morant's superstar potential this week was a fun little, uh, just a bonus for all of us fans here in Tennessee, kind of forcing what we see out there on the court. Nice to get that kind of attention from the national media. It is, especially and, exactly. You know, going into a little bit further breakdown. That dude, that dude knows his stuff, and they, I agree, that's one of my favorite segments because he gives credit to a lot of things that made, that are, they may not make up a whole player, and I'm not talking about the John Morant specifically, just in general. But you can look at a player that could be innocuous or middling, and, and he calls out one of the great things that's really good about them, or sometimes the things that are not that good about him and get old. <laughs> but usually it's the reverse. He'll find a superstar and call out the things that are just annoying and like, man, fix this in your game, and, and things could be a lot better, and and call out one of the middling players for some of the incredible things that they do. So to hear him put John Morant just in that category that is doesn't fit either one of those necessarily is pretty special for that because there are a few people that know basketball as well as that guy and uh, it's it's impressive if if not in the weeds most of his writing it's a bit weedy but uh, but I like it and he does a great job yeah it's it's just fun to see that kind of recognition it is oh right, guys that national stage from sports writers that we do like and respect their their takes on things. But unfortunately, Memphis was not able to turn that win into a winning streak. That game against the Lakers last night, man, that was <laughs> that, that was a bit of a show. Getting off to that 22-2 lead and then letting the Lakers come back with a little bit of help from the refs. So it was nice to see the NBA come out today and formally warn LeBron James. What? That's, the NBA stands up to LeBron and Kyle Kuzma for flops against the Grizz. Good. Because, look, go ahead and watch those highlights. They're funny. They're not as funny when it might cost Memphis a when game. It's happening to you. Yeah. But look at them back in highlight form is, is always funny to see. And to see the NBA slap a formal warning on that is good for the game. And something we complain about all the time is how hard it is to watch just that foul hunting style of play. It's why James Harden's never been <laughs> been one of my least favorite players to watch and why I'm getting so upset with Trey Young. He's kind of adopted that James Harden move, and so is a lot of superstars who play along the perimeter. It's yeah. become part of the game. They're coaching it's it hunting all the time. For fouls. Yeah. Leading in and kicking in. As a Suns fan, watching Chris Paul come over, and Chris Paul is one of the best at it too. Uh, and and uh, and uh, uh, Devin Booker has grown in. That's been one of his foremost plays, and yeah. it's it's been a really really hard thing to digest as a fan because I hate it with a passion. But it is a competitive, almost necessity, but certainly a competitive advantage, and. It's winning basketball it, in 2021. It's winning basketball. There's, there's no doubt about it. So um, you, it, it's it's a major conflict, and I'm really proud that the Grizzlies take on a different perspective than that. But you got to know that their t- 
teaching some of those young guys how to do that right now and get better and better at it. Is that what Justice has been doing this whole time? Learning <laughs> Once he <laughs> hits that court, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Oh, man. But that's why this week was so much fun. Is Obviously, we've talked about this plenty on the show before, but it was fun seeing the NBA actually call out the Lakers and LeBron and Kuz for that during this week. And also for Trey Young to uh, cost himself his shot at winning a basketball game at the last minute by flopping for a foul. He won't call it that, of course, but yeah. look, he was, he was foul hunting there, didn't get the call, freaked out, and the NBA went out and announced the next day that it was the right call. There was no foul on the play. I like that. Him falling to the ground instead of fighting through the screen to get that inbounds pass and possibly get a shot up hurt his team. Yep. Odds are it's going to help his team more than not, so you know the coach was, was, was patting him on the back saying, we'll get him next time, like, keep doing that, uh, but it, it, you, you just have to look at things through a fan's perspective. And that's always a tug of war with competition because real competition within the rules isn't always fun to watch. It is not always yeah. made. And that's that will always be something we talk about on this show and debate about in sports forever is what makes it a, a valuable game to watch and what makes it a valuable game to be a fan of. And They'll most of the time be in line and lockstep with each other, but a lot of times won't be. Uh, and I know a lot of NBA fans that just that I grew up with uh, that are not fans anymore because of the type of play that it is now and the type of superstar heavy and the type of uh, big market and the type of, uh, uh, you know, ref calls that just, you know, it's just it's a free for all. And. It's unfortunate, but it, that's what's encouraging about seeing the NBA put those statements out is you hope that – I mean, I don't expect a, a major title shift because of those things, but it, it's We're direct- not going back to 90s Bulls era hand-checking again. Not at all, but it's directionally accurate. It's directionally good, so I'm happy about that. But I would like to see – as much as I love watching Trey Young, I'd love to see – more of the Curry half of him and less of the Harden half. Agreed. Agreed. I remember 10 years ago when we were, when, not you and I necessarily, but in general, people were like, God, Steph Curry, I hate this new basketball. Why are they throwing up threes so much? And, uh, you know, now it's like, please give me more of that. That would be so much fun. Man, the way he's been carrying this Warriors team has been absolutely an underrated story of the season. He's great. MVP. Very impressive dragging sure. them around. And it's such a shame to not have Klay Thompson playing this year and to see what the Warriors could be uh, if they could be one of those upper echelon teams. Yeah. Hey, we talked a couple weeks ago about the upper echelon of the West. You had the Lakers and the Clippers, obviously, going for the title. Last year, we were like, it's those two teams. And then the Nuggets really jumped in there with Jamal Murray making his making the leap in the bubble. Yep. And a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Utah Jazz and saying, is this a team that can stick in this upper echelon? I think they answered us since we (laughs) talked about them a few weeks ago. They've done nothing but answer us, yes. That team's good. They've really really figured out how to put it together. And, you know, I figured either them or Denver would make it consistent coming into this year, and that's the team that did it. Not that Denver's really fallen off that much, but Utah's really turned up the gas. And talk about our old friends. Uh, the last time I checked, at least, which might not be fully accurate right now, but very recently, Mike Conley was leading the league in plus-minus. I love it. I love seeing them go on and succeed. Good rebound in, that I, first year as a Jazz. For, for sure. And that go, speaks to jazz. culture. He, he, he is a singular Jazz. He's one, he's, <laughs> he's one note. A couplet, a maybe. A Jazz man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, I've what never, are the Utah Jazz men? I've never thought of that question. Uh, we should go ask all the jazz professionals in Utah, all, uh, all the, the cultural, the people who are studying the culture of jazz in Utah. Uh, all right. They don't know. But <laughs> Once it, COVID is over, I'll head down to Rudy's, and we'll, uh, we'll get this question from some real heads. <laughs> that's right. It does show you, though, Conley, Conley's a cultural uh, uh, torchbearer. So having him on your team, and even Gasol's doing it, in LA, uh, these guys make a big difference beyond it. We saw them do it in, in Toronto too. It, it's fun to see them go because we knew that there was something special here in terms of how that team was built, not just their individual performances when they were in Memphis. And they've just proven that as they've gone on elsewhere. You think that nasty dunk that Gobert had over uh, Giannis during that 
the Jazz's statement victory over the Bucks this week had a little bit to do with a uh, certain DPOY trophies. You think so? There's definitely a chip on his shoulder. There's no doubt about that. I love seeing that. That's I love seeing those little in, internal competitions. Those are the those are a blast. While we're on Utah, though, Gobert really got away with it, didn't he? We haven't heard anything about him being the guy who shut down sports last year. He's got to shook it, that reputation pretty quickly. I'm glad you brought that up. That is, I guess it's because so many other players were and people across the world have just been just as arrogant. But he's, it was ridiculous. Like let's he was not forget patient zero for the sports shutdown. And not just patient, not just patient zero, not just the first, but just audaciously and brazenly the first. To you know, when he went out with the in the press conference, touching all the mics, just acting like this was nothing, and yeah, exactly. Hey, we got visuals now. I know, I know. That's what touching a mic. I can't do that. I look like I'm playing the piano if I do that. Uh, <laughs> but or or the flute. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, I, I I that's a great point. I I forget about it sometimes, and and I kind of want to for him too because obviously the tone is a thousand times different than it was at that time. Not to excuse what he did, but I don't hey. I don't want him to haunt him. But holy cow, that's nuts. If Donovan Mitchell can forgive him, the true. rest of us can forgive him. Very true. <laughs> Very true. All right, man. Before we get out, this has been a lot of fun actually seeing you and recording like this. Hopefully, we can uh, figure out our technology, get this posted quickly on all our Walk It Off Radio media and WXNA because we are very sad to not be there on on air tonight. But yeah, the weather conditions tonight, Valentine's Day in Nashville. Hearts out to all you lovers. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're unable to make it into the studio to record, so we're doing this and we're having a good time doing it. But before we get out of here, uh, one more break. So listen to your other shows on WXNA. Plenty of great ones out there. Head on over to that schedule. It's changed up a little bit. You can see some new favorites and some old favorites in new places by heading to WXNAFM.org and clicking the schedule and archives. So you can listen through, find your favorites, and you know check out some new stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. That's brand new, including a literal mixtape show. Yeah, that's right. DJ Johnny Danner's just going to play literal mixtapes that he's dug up across the years. That's super awesome. So that's that'll really be cool. interesting at the very least. And then, yeah, some of your favorites like Fidelity High have just changed time slots. So check out that schedule over at WXNAFM.org and wear your masks. Dude, that's, my, that's my stern warning. Yes. Zoom. You and I, this is an example, just to like put it out in the public, of proper social distancing. All right? We, this is how <laughs> it should be done. Miles or so. <laughs> yeah. We're, we deserve a pat on the back for that one. Good job, us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that works. But before we get out of here, I definitely want to talk about our other local team, a personal favorite of both of ours, the Nashville Sounds. Uh, cannot wait to get back to Nashville Sounds games. Missing that this season was one of the things that hit me the hardest personally. Is just had such great times at the stadium. It's, it's really been for years and years such a fun thing. So now to have this announcement, this Major League Baseball sort of took advantage of the COVID break to reform the minor leagues in their own image. And that image was released this week. 120 teams officially affiliated and run by Major League Baseball out of the New York offices. Very, very big news, a huge shift. And this has been going on since like the 1900s, the, the system that's been in, in place for this long. But now Major League Baseball has kind of put the minor leagues under their thumb. A lot of teams were eliminated, which we absolutely hate. Um, you're not going to see the rookie league stuff as much this year. A couple leagues were basically completely eliminated or sent to independent, not affiliated with Major League Baseball, which, let's be honest, is kind of a death knell for your attendance. But they did raise the salaries for a lot of minor leaguers. And uh, our Nashville Sounds caught back on. They reset contracts again. 
So that multi-year contract the Sounds had with the Texas Rangers was reset. And in Major League Baseball's push to make travel, cut down on travel a bit, make teams a little bit closer to home, Nashville ended up back with an old friend, the Milwaukee Brewers. I love it. Which uh, we thought there were some hard feelings there, actually. The Brewers were a longtime affiliate. Um, we personally got to see some great players coming up. I, I mean, I got to scout Ryan Braun and got to scout Matt Ch- uh, Well, that was the A's years. <laughs> but Giovanni Gallardo. And we saw Zach Granke pitch for Nashville Sounds. Prince Fielder played for the Nashville Sounds under the Brewers affiliation. It was a lot of good vibes there. But all of that was at Old Greer Stadium. And then when the Sounds moved to sparkling new first Horizon Park, they unaffiliated with the Brewers and went to the Oakland Athletics, which followed up with the Texas Rangers, but is now back with the Brewers. And it feels good. It feels right. It'll be it nice to see the Sounds Brewers affiliation continue. I'm going to break out some of those last beer at Greer t-shirts. I miss the old park, but love the new one. I'm going to keep reminding myself that it's first Horizon Park now. I still don't get it. Murders. Yeah. <laughs> But the Sounds survived, and there's no more Pacific Coast League, no more International League. The divisions have been realigned as well. And one thing that I want to make absolutely clear to all of you guys out there listening is that the current division names are not official yet. <laughs> They're still being workshopped, and boy, do they need it. Because <laughs> it, it, Naming every division by geographic region led to some very, very awkward things. The Sounds are playing right now in the AAA East. There's three divisions in the AAA East and two in the AAA West. So technically the Sounds play in the AAA East-Southeast division. There is also plenty of other divisions. There's the AAA East-West division, the AAA East-East division, uh, the AA Northeast-Southwest division. (laughs) Hey, can you just draw a map real quick? Uh, Please. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a suggestion for him. I mean, what about like the Discover division or maybe like Mass Mutual? Have they considered that? We know it's going there, <laughs> man. I, mean, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> way, way to pull it all together from our hockey start at the show. <laughs> uh, hey, so I... that's just a little fun thing for me. But more importantly, this new division is going to set up some good rivalries. Look, Nashville's kind of this interesting triangle, it always has been, where most of the people you'll see, the locals at least, have the option of being Braves fans, Reds fans, Cardinals fans. Yeah. And in a fairly even proportions, right? Maybe the Braves a little bit more, but they're technically the TV property that Nashville belongs to. But it's still fun to see this little triangle. And right now, both the Cardinals and the Braves affiliates are going to be in the same division, divisional rivals with the Sounds. The Reds are in the same conference. So all three of those teams will be in pretty much regular play, depending on how the schedule plays out. And also in conference is going to be the Northeastern teams, since the Sounds are playing in the AAA East, as opposed to the Pacific Coast League, where they've been set up with the Western teams for the past however many years. We've been seeing them. But now we're going to see affiliates that have never really come to Nashville to play. We're going to see, for all you Northeast transplants, we're going to get to see the Yankees affiliates. We're going to get to see the Red Sox affiliates. We're going to get to see the Mets affiliates. There's a lot more exciting stuff that's going on right now with this realignment. And personally, as a baseball fan and someone who goes out there to you know scout your teams and everything, I'm incredibly excited to see some of those teams that we haven't seen in just years and years and years. It's special. Yeah, it's special. And like amidst this this world where like we were just joking about the division names, but when things change, they usually don't they don't always change for the better in a lot of ways. And we certainly saw that even though it was a rough breakup and we when we moved away from Milwaukee and bounced around. Uh, But it's nice to see a change like this come with some benefits. I mean, now granted, like you said, drawbacks with some, some folks losing jobs and some markets losing teams and things like that. But admittedly, and I, I don't want to be callous, that is was such a cumbersome and still kind of is infrastructure. There, there had to be something to give at some point, like some changes to make that happen. So it, it's it's kind of part of what you'd expect for there to be changes made 
and and I like this I'm just regionally, like you said, to see, think about all the people we know in Nashville. They all come from one of those cities you mentioned. Like there are a few weirdos like me that come from Phoenix to Nashville. That doesn't happen that often. There may be a few guitar strummers who came from L.A., <laughs> but most of them. A few. A, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's not the major highway. I mean, the Chicagoans come down, which by extension are Milwaukee. And sorry, Milwaukee. I know you hate hearing that. And there's a major rivalry there. But there's there's a lot of that going on all the way down through through the Midwest and down into the southeast and up into the northeast. So having all that there is huge. And maybe that makes it easier to do a little bit of traveling, too, and see uh, see some away games, too, which is always fun. Absolutely. And we'll get some new ones in there, too. So we get to spark some new rivalries with teams like the Gwinnett Stripers. And then, hey, Nashville's going to get to travel to Durham. That's a highlight for me. Hey. As a Bull Durham fan, you get to go and to Durham, hit Bull win steak. Get to see the sounds out there. with the And that's the Rays affiliate. So maybe you'll see the number one prospect in all of baseball, Wander Franco. Lots of lots That's of interesting stuff. stuff going on here. It is. And another bonus for us locals, our other two major Tennessee minor league teams also survived to the minor league realignment. Both the Knoxville, the Tennessee Smokies, the Cubs double-A affiliates, and the Chattanooga Lookouts, the Cincinnati Reds double-A affiliates, will be playing in the double-A South-North division. <laughs> How's that, how's that work? <laughs> hey, figure it out. But we're just yeah. happy they're there. So if we want to make a minor league road trip, the Memphis Redbirds, Nashville Sounds, Tennessee Smokies, Chattanooga Lookouts all survived the trip, the uh, minor league realignment, and we'll be playing ball into this new schedule. Great state for baseball. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, speaking of pro baseball, we're two weeks away from spring training now that the schedule is official. Going to play a full schedule, for better or for worse. That's me knocking on wood, man, but it looks like it. Two weeks away. It looks like spring training is two weeks away now, right? This is when the hot stove gets down to – you see that rush of signings on the guys like your Colin McHugh's and Jonathan VR's and Adam Duvall's, your guys who fill out a team. Yeah. You know, good professional major league baseball players, but not yeah. the ones that there was a major bidding war on. Yep, you're seeing people round out their plans essentially, and that that's exciting to see because then you start seeing teams take form and and uh, you get a better idea of what the projections look like, which is one of the fun parts of of early baseball. Oh, no doubt about that one, man. You, uh, I thought I saw an interesting one too that I wanted to mention: Matt Harvey signing with the Baltimore Orioles on a minor league contract this week kind of came across my news feed and just uh, that career is it's such a shame but it's so shocking too you're talking about a guy who looked like he could throw a no-hitter every time out the next wonderkind of baseball yep and that 2015 season pitching all those innings a great season almost pitching the Mets to a world series with that incredibly gutty performance and since then, his ERA has been pitched to well over five. He's bounced around to different teams. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but he pitched for the Kansas City Royals last season to an ERA over 11, or over 10 at least, double digits for sure. Yeah, yeah 11.57. Those couple shoulder injuries, the way it can take off a player is it's disappointing pointing for sure it but is it's still interesting to see his name come across the wire and to get a shot yeah with a team like baltimore who frankly has no pitching outside of john means yeah it somehow swindled the angels into giving up a legitimate <laughs> prospect for alex cobb hey, we've certainly <laughs> seen a lot of those lopsided things happen but <laughs> who knows hopefully it pays off for him uh that's that's what it's exciting to see that opportunity just to uh watch him and see if those numbers change and if he gets a get the, gets the chance in the major leagues again those are the kind of things I like to see at this point of the season, too. And those chances for reunions, like Chris Archer going back to the Rays to try to reinvigorate his career. Jake Arrieta signing with the Cubs. Yeah. And the big signing of this week, Justin Turner going back to the Dodgers for another couple of years. Yep, that's big. That's really big. And what's been an offseason defined by teams not trying to win? This is the part that kind of evens everything out, smooths the rough edges a little bit when... 
those quality baseball players that we're talking about, that level, again, your, your Adam Duvall's, your Sergio Romo's, are getting their major league contracts, getting to play on all those one-year deals. Yep. Yeah, and it'll change the landscape for next year. That's uh, just starting the, the narratives that we'll have going into the next offseason, which is, I mean, that's the fun part is it all plays into each other. And we'll get a full season of baseball, and hopefully we'll get some fans in the stands and we'll be able to go to Sounds games again. I'll be and there Preds as games. soon as we can. As soon as we can do that safely, man, I will be there, and you and I will be doing that for sure. Cheers, my friend. It's been good to see you. Here's to you, brother. I cannot wait to do this again. I look forward to doing more of these. Even uh, Obviously, I love being on the air, but let's do some more of these video and virtual ones. Uh, I think it'll be really fun, and we look forward to hearing people's feedback on it as well and ideas because this is a cool yeah, this new, cool a new approach. Please get at us. Let us know what you thought. I mean, you actually get to see our faces. Don't be too cruel. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a great time, and like we said, this is Walk It Off, normally on WXNA. 101.5 LP Nashville. So thanks for tuning in. This is Walk It Off every Sunday night, 11 p.m. till midnight here in Nashville, Tennessee. Your hosts, Drew and Dave. Be good to each other. Wear your masks. See you next week.